This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is seven minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Thursday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio, the fourth day of February 2021. It is the uh, birthday of my youngest sister, Susan. I will not tell anybody how old she is today, but uh, she is uh, a number of years younger than I am, but uh, having a birthday today, so happy birthday, Susan. Um... Lots to get to this morning in the sports world. A great victory for the Boston Bruins last night against the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, so we'll talk about that coming up in a bit. But i uh, got a couple of uh, misbehaving people to talk about this morning. Um, we'll start off outside of the sports world. And uh, Morgan Wallen, who is one of the hottest country music singers in the country right now, has been suspended from his record label uh, because of a uh, profanity-laced tirade that included the uh, the big N-word, the one you do not use. Um, it was caught on tape. TMZ had it. It's been all over the Internet, and he has been suspended by his record label, the Academy of Country Music, uh, which is in the process of taking nominations for its uh, awards that will take place in April, have disqualified him uh, for any eligibility for awards. iHeart Music has pulled his music. Apple, Spotify, Sirius, Pandora, none of them are playing his music. We are on Sports Country Radio doing the same thing. Uh, we had uh, two of his songs in our regular rotation. We have pulled those from the air as well. Uh, and, you know, look, there's been a lot of talk in this day and age about cancel culture and everything else. This isn't cancel culture. This is just flat-out stupidity. And I don't know whether Morgan Wallen is a racist or not or whether he is just a stupid redneck where, you know, where he's from, that word is used often, unfortunately. And so I don't know whether it's just that or whether he's an out-and-out racist. And at the end of the day, I don't care. You don't use that word. And it's not the first time that he's done it. Uh, it's also not the first time he's been in trouble. Of course, if you remember, he was supposed to be on Saturday Night Live uh, back a few months ago. They postponed his or canceled his appearance. They later brought him back on in December, where he, by the way, parried it himself in a, uh, in a skit. And now he has shot himself in the foot again. Uh, you know, and he, he released a statement apologizing, unacceptable, inappropriate, yada, yada, yada. The same stuff we hear all these other people saying. And yet at the end of the day, this guy is dumber than a box of rocks. You know, if it wasn't bad enough for your inappropriate behavior the first time when you got caught out at a party, you know, getting drunk and smoking weed and 
no masks on in the middle of a pandemic, you know, you're just, you're just an idiot. There's no other way to put it. So, uh, and look, this is a guy, like I said, his, his album has been at number one in the country charts for three weeks. You wouldn't know that if you looked at iTunes this morning, cause they've removed it. Um, you know, so he has nobody to blame but himself, but just, just, you know, here we go again. And this isn't about political correctness, folks. You know, and I don't want to hear that from some of, you know, my my uh, conservative friends that listen to this station will want to say, well, you know, this is just a liberal left. No, this is a flat out racist comment. You don't do it. And, you know, you just don't. This is 2021. And those look, this is not 1821. You know, and it wasn't right in 1821, but it was what everybody did. This is 2021, and, you know, that's one of those trigger words. You just don't do it. So I don't feel sorry for him. I mean, I feel sorry for him in that one person can be that incredibly stupid, but it is what it is. And speaking of stupid, in Major League Baseball, here we go again. You know, uh, just a few weeks after... Jared Porter, who had been hired by the New York Mets, got fired because of uh, explicit photos and text messages that he sent to a female reporter when he was working for the Cubs, got him fired from a job that he had been, just been hired by the Mets. He didn't last on the job a week, and he was out. Well, now current Angels pitching coach Mickey Calloway has been suspended by his team because he's another guy that feels like that he needs to be inappropriate with women that, you know, somehow sending text messages and topless picture, you know, pictures of you without your shirt on, you know, and, and saying suggestive things to female reporters is a good idea. And he did this supposedly uh, over a number of years while he was employed by three different teams. Of course, he was the former manager of the New York Mets. But this didn't just happen when he was at the Mets. It happened at other stops as well. It's unbelievable. You know, and this was, and by the way, six women came forward with this. This wasn't like one he said, she said, this was, you know, this gang of women said, and you're screwed. But what is the matter with you people? You know, what? Look, you know, I, I realize, you know, my wife, my wife always jokes, you know, said, you men, men are pigs, you know, all men are pigs. And, you know, there is a part of me that can't argue with that. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, we, we are, I guess, uh, in a way we are, you know, our minds uh, tend to be uh, one track sometimes, but there is a large difference between being a pig, uh, with your significant other and being a pig and forcing yourself or your photos and your thoughts and and touching women inappropriately supposedly he was you know he, he uh when he didn't think somebody was looking in the dugout he started rubbing the shoulders of some woman another one he like thrust his crotch in her face while she was interviewing him i mean 
What? <laughs> it just never ceases to amaze me. Callaway is 45 years old. This isn't like a 20-year-old kid. So he has now been suspended by the Angels. Major League Baseball is conducting an investigation, and the Angels are going to be looking for a new pitching coach because he's been suspended. It is just a matter of moments before he is officially fired and out of baseball because this was six women. Six women. So this isn't, you know, something that's just going to be swept under the carpet. I just don't understand. You know, and, and this isn't a generational thing. I'm 60 years old. Mickey Calloway's 45. He's, you know, I mean, he's an adult. You know, shame on him. And, uh, you know, maybe it's the, the feeling of privilege that you have because you're working in professional sports. You know, I don't know whether that's it or not, and I don't care. But good Lord, keep it in your pants and and act like a human being and act like a man. You know, you know, if you're a, if you're a guy and you're, tr- you know, you want to get a date, women are going to respond a hell of a lot more to somebody who's got some class and shows some dignity and shows that he's a gentleman than somebody who acts like an absolute pig. You absolutely you think that that doing those kinds of things is going to make women run and say, oh, I got to go out with this guy. Come on. So, uh, yeah, it's just a matter of time. The Angels will be looking for a new pitching coach. So, uh, let's get to sports. Let's get to some stuff that's at least, you know, a little nicer to talk about. The UConn Husky women played last night, a game that everybody expected them to win against St. John's. They did win it. Uh, They won it by 32. No surprise there. Uh, There were a couple of surprises last night in that Kristen Williams was not able to play she tweaked an ankle in a shoot-around, and so she was unavailable. So your starting point guard now all of a sudden is not playing. They still are without Anna Makarot, and that's going to be for a little while. Aubrey Griffin was banged up. She wasn't really able to play last night. So Gino Ariema had to dig deep last night. Now, I, I say dig deep. It doesn't. It's not difficult to dig deep when you have freshmen like Paige Beckers and Aaliyah Edwards who have stepped up and done some amazing things in their freshman years. And last night, the two of them combined to go 22 for 31 from the field. They combined for 54 points. And UConn wins this one easily. Uh, Gino Arama has been all over Paige Beckers, telling her that she has to look for her shot more, that there are times that she is going to have to be a little bit more selfish. And she's been listening. Uh, this is her third straight game where she has scored 20 or more and the 32 last night that she had as a career high. And by the way, how about this? She's not even 100%. Remember, she hurt that ankle a couple of weeks ago in the third quarter against Tennessee, and she's still not 100%. That should scare everybody. Uh, but she shot 13 for 20, 5 for 6 on threes. Oh, and by the way, she had 7 assists. She is really good. Aaliyah Edwards, 9 for 11 from the field last night. 4 for 4 from the line. 9 rebounds. Uh, and, and then another freshman stepped up who had to take the place of Kristen Williams. Nika Mule had 11 points and 6 assists last night. She played a career-high 35 minutes last night. Shot 4 for 7 from the field. 
Uh, Olivia Nelson Adota did her thing. She had 11 points, five rebounds, a couple of block shots, a few steals. Um, it was so you know it was it was at one point in the third quarter last night. Gino Ariama joked, "I had four freshmen and a high school player on the field, or on the on the court, and he did." Sailor Poffenberger, who just came to UConn a month ago, she graduated high school early. So when she should still be in the second half of her senior year in high school, she enrolled at UConn. She's eligible to play immediately. She doesn't lose the year of eligibility because the NCAA has said that anybody that plays this year. Uh, we'll get an extra year of eligibility because of the pandemic and the teams are not playing their regular number of games, et cetera, et cetera. So there was no downside to her not coming to UConn early. She gets a head start on her college career, and she gets to play uh, or at least be on the team for a semester with no loss of eligibility. So she played last night. Now, she only played four minutes. She didn't score. That's not the point. I mean, it just if you look at this team last night, four freshmen – and Poffenberger out there, who was still technically or should be a high school student, uh, and they still won by 32. Again, you know, it's not going to be that easy all the time. They have number two South Carolina on Monday. They need Kristen Williams to be able to play. They need it badly. They need Aubrey Griffin uh, to be able to play. Uh, Aubrey Griffin played two minutes last night. They need her on Monday. Now, they have Marquette coming up on Saturday a game that they you know, should be able to win, but Marquette is going to be a bit more of a challenge than St. John's was. But they certainly have to have Kristen Williams and Aubrey Griffin available for Monday. Without those two, and I suspect that Williams will play. They, it didn't seem to be that bad. They called it you know, a tweak. They didn't call it like a, a major sprain or anything like that. So let's hope that she's available on Monday. But a good uh, a good win for UConn last night, if for no other reason than Gino f- saw that he can rely on his freshman. He can rely. Nika Mule is becoming a big part of that rotation now for UConn as I think Gino was feeling more and more comfortable with what she can do. And that's big because Gino's a guy that in big games tends to have a very short bench. You know, he tends to play – Six or seven people. Well, with the the schedule that they have, they have nine more games to play over the next 25 days, 26 days. You know, they're going to be playing a lot, and they are going to need to go deeper into that bench. So a game like last night, I think, was absolutely huge for them. Um, So moving on, I watched the end of the uh, – Bruins Flyers game last night I I caught the second half of the game and it was 1-1 after two you know and uh, the defense had looked pretty good Tuka Rask was playing well you know Rask had 18 saves in the first two periods but then uh, the Flyers come out and uh, Jacob Voracek scores a goal a minute into the third period so Philly's up 2-1 they get another one by uh, Joel Farabee at about midway through the third period, the Bruins are down 3 nothing, and you're like, oh, geez, you know, this is going to be a tough one. And, look, the Bruins have been playing well. I wasn't – you know, I knew that they could still get back in it because all of a sudden they found their offense, and they have David Pasternak back. Pasternak is, had, was playing his third game last night after missing the start of the season after hip surgery. 
Well, Pasternak scored their first goal 12 seconds into the game. He had their their lone goal through the first two periods. Well, now down 3-1, Philly commits a penalty. Boston goes on the power play with about eight minutes to go or seven minutes to go. Pasternak scores another one. He scores on the power play, makes it a 3-2 game. And then this was, I mean, you know, these are the kind of penalties that you can't have with uh, about two minutes left in the game, 2-0-1 left in the game. Kevin Hayes takes a penalty for tripping or for hooking, and your team's up 2-1 or 3-2. So the Bruins go on a power play. They're able to bring yet another attacker on there. Guess what? Power play goal, David Pasternak with 15 seconds left. And it was a great goal, too. First shot goes on net. He's right there swatting at it. He hits it a second time. It pops up in the air, goes right to his stick, and then he hits it the third time, you know, almost like swinging a baseball bat, but it was below his shoulder, so it was legal, and knocks it in the goal, and we're tied at three. So 15 seconds left in regulation. You're tied. You're thinking, all right, great, we're going to go to overtime. Well, then the with eight seconds left in regulation, Scott Lawton took an interference penalty. And, I mean, it wasn't even questionable. They showed it on the replay. You know, the puck had gone down the right boards. And Lawton going, instead of playing the puck, he played the Boston Bruin going for the puck. You're not a an in, in interference call in hockey is, look, you have to play the puck. You can't check a guy and take him out of the play if he doesn't have the puck. It's called interference. You have to give the man the opportunity to play the puck. Once he hits the puck, all bets are off. Once he touches it, but Lawton never allowed the Bruin to get to the puck. They called interference. He goes to the box with eight seconds to go. Well, so that means Boston is going to start the overtime. Instead of three on three, it's going to be four on three because it's going to be a power play for Boston. 31 seconds into the overtime, Bruins score. Game over. Patrice Bergeron, with an assist from Pasternak, ends it 31 seconds in. The Bruins win the game 4-3. An unlikely win for sure. They have now beaten the Flyers all three games that they have played this year. The Bruins, who were struggling to score their first few games of the season, are now 7-1-2. They are tied with Philadelphia on top of the Eastern Conference And uh, they are in excellent shape. They are looking like the same team that we saw last year, and that is despite the offseason moves. You know, no Chara there anymore. You know, and, and, you know, people were worried um, about the blue line, you know, some of the moves they had made on defense. And here we are, same old Bruin team. So, great win for them last night. They will play the Flyers again on Friday in Philadelphia. And uh, Flyers are going to need that one. I mean, the Flyers got to be talking to themselves. You know, that was their first loss at home last night. And they're 7-2-2. And and, uh, two losses and an overtime loss are all to the Bruins. Funny story, speaking of Zdeno Chara, this was, this was hysterical. Uh, a friend of mine uh, that lives down in the Washington area sent me this, and uh, I couldn't believe it. So Zdeno Chara was, got a, was supposed to get a shipment of sticks uh, 
from his uh, from his supplier, They're a True Hockey, who makes his sticks. Well, somehow FedEx screwed something up, and uh, a guy by the name of Ariel Ben Abraham was expecting a shipment from China for for his clothing company. <laughs> I guess he was expecting some fabric or something. Well, instead. Uh, he got a box of hockey sticks. So he goes on to social media, and it's hysterical. He goes on to social media and says, Hey, at Capitals, why are 5K worth of your hockey sticks at my house? Also, uh, what time is practice? <laughs> so he, and, and it's funny too, he, he talked to ESPN and he said, uh, he said it's the strangest thing I've gotten by mistake. Uh, and he said they're like 30 feet tall. <laughs> You know, and then he, he this this was ridiculous. Uh, the true true uh, hockey, the manufacturers of the sticks, immediately got in touch with this guy, and they threatened that they were going to report him. And, and you know, the guy said, "Well, what are you going to report me for? What about I'm like you think I'm going to sell them?" He said, "He said, look, they dropped the box off at my house and handed it to me. What am I supposed to do?" He said, "And by the way." I put it on social media. If I'm going to do that, I'm pretty sure you're going to get your sticks back. I mean, <laughs> but yeah, so we go from, you know, now there's no report whether the fabric that Ariel Ben Abraham was expecting went to Zdeno Chara's house or not, but uh, pretty good. Pretty funny. You know, and my, you know, I, I, I can't, I can't. I can't lie. If those sticks came to my house, I mean, I wouldn't try to sell them, obviously, but I think I'd probably see if I could at least keep one as a memento. Just, uh, I think I'd have to contact Chara and see if they'd let me keep one just for the heck of it, because that's a pretty funny story. Um, the Celtics last night, their second game on their five-game West Coast road swing did not end well. Uh, they had a strong finish the night before against the Golden State Warriors. Last night, they did not finish well. They lose to the Sacramento Kings. 116 to 111. This is a tough loss uh, for the for the uh, Celtics. This is a game uh, that they needed to win. Look, they took care of Golden State, and then they had Sacramento. Those are the two easiest games they had on this swing. They have three games left on this West Coast str- swing against the uh, L.A. Clippers, the L.A. Lakers. Oh, no, excuse me. The L.A. Clippers, the Phoenix Suns, and the Utah Jazz. Right? And if you, you look at this... At the Western Conference right now, the Utah Jazz are sixteen and five. The Clippers are seventeen and six, and Phoenix is a team that's got about the same record as the Celtics, eleven and nine. But that's going to be a dogfight because you're on the road. So you've got two teams that uh, don't lose much, and a Phoenix Suns team that is going to be, you know, a bitch at home, and you can't finish. Bruins, the Bruins, the Celtics had an eleven point lead in the third quarter. They had a five-point lead with about seven minutes to go. And I got to tell you, by the way, I hate these West Coast games. I was only I, I was able to watch a little bit of this last night. But no Kemba Walker last night. They had announced they were going to give him the day off because they're trying to control the minutes he plays on that knee. Look, he missed the first part of the season with that knee injury. I think he missed the first uh, 13 or 14 games. So they're trying to be careful with that. Limit his minutes. He had played 30 minutes the night before. They don't want him to play back-to-back. So he gets the night off. Jeff T gets to start in place of him. So, But you're looking, you're thinking, all right, look, we still got Jason Tatum. We still got Jalen Brown. We should be okay. 
Well, the problem is Jason Tatum couldn't couldn't shoot. He was 11 for 26 last night. He only made 2 for 10 from three-point range. He finished with 27 points, 10 assists, 9 rebounds. You say great game. Well, yeah, but you were 2 for 10 from three. You missed 15 shots. And by the way, one of the shots he missed was a uh, a three-point attempt with a second and a half left that would have tied the game. Uh, Jalen Brown was 7 for 18 last night. So your two best players combined to go 18 for 44. It's hard to win games when you do that. And they were a combined 4 for 16 from three-point range. You know, that's one of the issues that I have with the NBA. Guys will have these gaudy numbers, but their shooting percentage stinks. James Harden, for years, has been one of the biggest scorers in the NBA, and his shooting percentage stinks. You know, you toss up 35 shots a game, you're going to score points in the NBA. So, you know, anyway, that was a tough loss for them last night. You know, look, positive signs from last night, though, Tristan Thompson, his second straight very strong game for Boston. He played 22 minutes last night, got the start in the middle, scored 17 points, had 10 rebounds, 7 of 9 from the field uh, after a great game against Golden State as well. That has got to make Brad Stevens feel really good. Now, the only thing I will say, and, you know, Brad Stevens did not play him a lot in the second half. He came out midway through the third quarter and never really came back. Why? Because... They said Sacramento, you know, he said Sacramento went small and he didn't think Thompson could look, I'm sorry. You know, they may have a smaller lineup and you may think it gives you some matchup problems, some defensive problems, but I want that big body in the middle, even against a quick team, you know, and look, you know, I've never been an NBA coach. Okay. I've coached at the high school level. I coached at the college level. I know a little bit about the game and I'm sorry. I want that big guy because, you know, even if it's a quicker lineup, maybe he, you know, if you set it up so that if he gets beat off the dribble, he's got some help, or you just have him kind of sag off and just guard the lane and stop, you know, the guards from just penetrating and, and getting easy layups. I want that big guy. He only played 22 minutes last night. I think, you know, that's something that has to be looked at a little bit. You know, Brad Stevens has said all along this season – he doesn't like the way they've been guarding the basket. Well, Jesus, when you have your two big guys on the bench for a long time, it's kind of hard to guard the basket when the two biggest guys on the floor are sitting on the bench. It's 33 minutes past the hour. we got to take a break. We'll be back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 35 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call on a Thursday morning. Uh, programming note coming up tomorrow. Uh, Dan Zampano, of course, will join us for his regular Friday NFL visit. Um, probably his second to last visit of this season. We'll have him on, and uh, we will be talking about uh, the Super Bowl this weekend, of course, and then we'll have him on the following week for a little postmortem. Uh, so looking forward to that. Other programming note, we are going to have high school basketball coming up here on Sports Country Radio next week. I am very excited about this. Um we are just in the process of finalizing our schedule, but as of right now, our first game uh, will be Wednesday, February the 10th. It'll be uh, Cheshire High School at Xavier. We're also scheduled to do Cromwell Boys and Girls. I heard from Tim Coase from Mercy High School. He would like us to do his games as well. So as of right now, uh, we have 19 games scheduled over, what, about a month and a half. So from February 10th 
to March 18th. I have 19 games on the Sports Country Radio schedule. It's going to be a little bit aggressive considering i got to do all the play-by-play uh, because we're going to have to limit um, the number of people. So it'll probably just be me. I'm hoping to have a color guy with me, but there may be times it'll just me. I have to do it with a mask. Uh, they're going to social distance even the broadcasters. I'll probably be over shoved in a corner somewhere, which is fine. I'm just happy to be there, and I'm hoping I remember uh, how to do play-by-play. It has been a while. So uh, we're going to finalize the schedule hopefully today or tomorrow. We will have it on our website, sportscountry.net, um, as soon as I do. But as of right now, our first game coming up Wednesday night at 7 o'clock at Xavier High School. I can't wait. Um, baseball news. So the Major League Baseball Players Association was supposed to be on a conference call yesterday with the MLB front office and representatives of the Biden administration to talk about the possible delay to the season. Now, as you know, MLB said they wanted to delay spring training for a month, have 154 games instead of 162, and they wouldn't start the season until... Um, like April, I think April the 8th or 15th or something like that. And they would have some scheduled double headers during the season to make up for the delay in the start. Players Association said no. What they didn't like was the fact that the proposal gave Rob Manfred the authority to shut down the league Anytime he wanted to, if he felt it wasn't safe, he could just shut everything down and players wouldn't get paid. And uh, it also gave them the right to or gave him the right to keep all the rules from last year, the expanded playoffs, which the players are not in favor of uh, the runner on second base to start extra innings, which it didn't sound like the Players Association was a fan of either. Um, and the universal DH. Now, the players, I don't think are are opposed to that in principle. I think they actually want that. But. Um, they didn't like the authority that it gave Rob Manfred. So they were supposed to have this conference call yesterday. MLB Players Association said, no, not going to do it. The Biden administration would like the league to delay it for a month. The league can't do that without the Players Association go ahead. Now, what uh, Tony Clark has said is, is that they just don't trust MLB. So rather than... Uh, participated in a call where it felt like they would get ganged up on where Major League Baseball and the government officials would be pressuring the Players Association. The Players Association is going to have a call with that same official on their own without MLB there to monitor what is said. Um, one thing that kind of disturbed me a little bit when I read this story online was that the government officials were suggesting that they league delay the season for a month with the aim of vaccinating the players against COVID-19 before the start of play. They can't do that. That would be, if that is really true, if what is in this story is true and the government suggested that, and they're at a point where they're not vaccinating everybody in the general population by that point, they can't do that. Look, here we are. What It's February the 4th. We're still at a point here in the state of Connecticut where you have to be 75 years of age to get vaccinated or you have to be a frontline worker. 
you know, or have an underlying health condition. All right. That's February 4th. So if they're going to delay this until April, do you think by April they're going to the U.S. government's going to say anybody that wants a, a vaccine can get one? I don't think so, because I think the next step is going to be, you know, age 65 and over. And then maybe it's going to be 55 and older. It's going to be, and they have said this, Anthony Fauci, when he's been on TV, has said, look, it's going to be probably late spring, early summer before everybody is going to be, it's going to be a free for all and anybody can get the vaccine. They're rolling it out to the most, uh, you know, population that is the most fragile. You know, I'm 60 years old. I'm probably not going to be eligible to get a virus until April. So if they're going to take all these professional baseball players, if the part of the proposal is to take that and vaccinate them before they start their season, the general public will lose their ever-loving minds. So I hope that that's really not what this uh, representative of the Biden administration said. Because, hey, they haven't vaccinated the NBA or the NHL, right? They didn't vaccinate the players in the NFL. Folks, they are not essential workers. They are not an at-risk population. You know, they are choosing to play their sport when they could opt out despite the dangers. That's their choice. You know, and they are getting paid millions and millions of dollars to make that choice. You and I don't have that opportunity. So they can't have professional athletes jump the line to get vaccines the same way Olympic athletes and the, the Olympics are supposed to start in what a couple of a uh, couple of months, something like that. They can't have Olympic athletes jumping the line to get vaccines before the Olympics. They just can't. It's bad optics. So I hope what I read here isn't true. Now, the other part of not shutting down the start of spring training and the season for a month. And this is the one that makes the most sense to me. It's not even about the vaccine. Jamison Tyon was on a uh, uh, an interview yesterday on CBS Sports. And this is a guy that was the player representative for the association when he was with the Pirates before he got traded to the Yankees last month. And here's what he said, and I 100% agree with this. He said, look, as a union, we ex- we expected the league to come to the association sometime in, you know, October, November, maybe even December, and then say, you know, we want to postpone the season then. They didn't do that. They waited until the end of January. He said, well, look, here's the thing. He said, as a player – you have to get ready to compete. So he said that late in the offseason, when you're talking the end of January, guys have already been ramping up their training. They've already, the pitchers have already, you know, started their throwing programs. He said, you know, he said, look, he said, uh, just the other day, he said, I was watching Tyler Glass now throw 97 miles an hour against hitters. He said, and now you're going to ask a guy like that to take, take it back down a notch? And take a break? He said, I don't think that's right. And he is absolutely right. Because remember what happened last year. They had spring training. Then all of a sudden, they put the brakes on it in the middle of March. And then they brought them back in July for like a two-week spring training. 
to try to ramp things up again. And what did we have? We had an absolute disaster for pitchers last year. We had guys getting hurt. We had guys getting shelled. It, it You know, they weren't ready. So this was an opportunity for them to get ready on their regular schedule and be prepared to go when spring training starts. If Major League Baseball had come to them in November and said, hey, look, we want to start spring training the middle of March instead of the middle of February, the players might have bought it, and then these guys that had to start getting ready for spring training could have started their programs a month later. So this, to me, is where MLB dropped the ball, and they can't now turn to the players' union and say, you're not cooperating. Because these players are going to say, hey, wait a minute, you're jeopardizing our health because, you know, especially for pitchers. You know, it, I don't think it's the same for guys that play positions. But for pitchers, it's they, have, they are maniacal about the way they prepare for the season. And to have a guy like Tyler Glass now, you know, or whoever, you know, is at a point where they're throwing that hard? And now you're going to tell them to, hey, you know, stop and then we'll get it, we'll get you going again in a month. You know, that's not the best thing for the human body. Once you're ready to go, these guys are like thoroughbreds. They want to go. I have no problem with starting spring training on time. None. And this isn't because I'm a baseball fanatic and I want them to play 162 games. I look at this and I say Major League Baseball has tried to act like a bully for the last couple of years to try to ram things down players' throats. They arbitrarily instituted some rules that they felt they had the right to do, and they're forcing things on players. There's, you know, there's no negotiating, you know, and look what they did. They, they bullied the minor leagues. They, they've contracted the minor leagues. They have ripped baseball from cities or small towns that rely on those things, and it becomes a part of the fabric of that community. And they have, they have systematically uh, gutted that. So Major League Baseball has not acted in the best interest of the game, in my opinion, in a while. Now, they do have some – look, there are some things that need to get done. There is no question that we need to have – a pitch clock, or something that speeds these games up. When I can go in a pandemic and I can watch the 1975 World Series and th- and watch pitchers throw games, you know, or throw the next pitch 10 seconds after they get the ball back, and yet we got all this fiddling and diddling going on now between pitches, you know, that's got to change. we got to get back to that. We've got to get to where the game has enough stuff going on where people aren't saying, God, this is boring, because it shouldn't be. It never used to be. So I don't have a problem with most of what the players feel here. I do feel some changes need to be made, but Major League Baseball and the commissioner's office has mishandled this whole pandemic thing from the start. I firmly believe that. I think that they absolutely mishandled how they started that shortened season last year, and I think they mishandled the transition from that to this spring training. It could have been done better. It should have been done better. But Rob Manfred continues to show that he is one of the worst commissioners of baseball that we have ever had, in my in my opinion. Uh, you know, Bud Selig's right up there, by the way, 
because of you know the blind eye to the steroids and Kennesaw Mountain Landis who refused to allow blacks into the in Major League Baseball. I mean, those guys are probably ahead of Rob Manfred, but after that, Rob Manfred's the worst. Just terrible. I think he's terrible for the game of baseball. I don't even think he likes the game of baseball. So I'm with the players on this one, and I'm not always I'm not a union guy. All right, I think unions have too much power sometimes, but in this case, I'm with the players. 48 minutes past the hour. We've got to take another break. Back in a minute, you're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 50 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. My segments are a little off this morning. I've been a little long-winded, so I apologize for that. But uh, uh, look, and, you know, the biggest thing with, uh, just to put a wrap on this, uh, talk about, you know, the union and, and MLB, um, look, I think it's becoming increasingly likely that we're going to see a work stoppage in 2022, and I think it would be disastrous for baseball. Uh, the last stoppage that they, uh, or the, the uh, uh, last stoppage they had was what, all the way back in 1994? It was a seven and a half month strike. There was no 19, there was no 1994 World Series. Um, you know, and, and after what we just went through with that shortened season with the pandemic, the last thing baseball can afford is some kind of a strike or a lockout. I think, actually, I think it'll be more like a lockout. I don't think it'll be a strike. I think the, the owners will lock the players out if they don't get their way. Uh, but I think it's uh, becoming more and more likely, and that makes me sad. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they find a way. I hope that the powers that be on both sides recognize you know, look, if, you've, if you're already looking at fan, uh, fan depreciation, right, and, and that's something that, that Major League Baseball has had, uh, regular season attendance in 2019 when they could still have fans was $68 million, $68.5 million. Just three years earlier, it was 70, almost $74 million. So you've lost about 5.5 million fans across the country, going to games in three years. That's a trend that needs to stop. And you know your numbers, you can't, and you're not going to be able to take this year's numbers into account when, when you look at that because it's not going to be full capacity even if they do have fans. But there's obviously been some slippage. And that's why people want to say baseball's dead. It's not anywhere near dead, but there has been some slippage. And they can't afford to let that trend continue, and I hope it doesn't. So I hope these two sides are smart enough to figure it out. Uh, some signing news, Nelson Cruz. We talked about that with uh, Matthew Corey on yesterday's show. Nelson Cruz actually has a job. He re-signed with the Minnesota Twins, a one-year, $13 million deal. Uh, look, Cruz is 40 years old, but he still hit 300 last year in the shortened season with 16 homers, 33 runs batted in. Uh, over the last three years, uh, he has, or excuse me, over the last seven years, he has more home runs than anybody else in the majors. He's got 260 homers in the last seven years. Uh, it's averaging about 35 a year. He's also third most in RBIs over the last seven years. Uh, so he hasn't lost a lot in age. I mean, he can't play the field anymore, but if you can hit 300 and hit those kind of bombs and have an OPS in the 900s, you, you're going to make some money, and he did. One year, $13 million. Uh, the Twins also signed... Alex Colomay, great signing for them. They're, the back end of their bullpen for the Twins was a little bit of an adventure last year. So by signing Colomay, uh, that'll be huge. Uh, the Colomay deal is uh, 
one year, six and a half million dollars. There is uh, an option for 2022 for five and a half million that the Twins can either decline uh, or they can accept or buy him out for uh, about a million bucks. But Colome had some pretty good numbers last year for the uh, Chicago White Sox, and he is immediately going to step into that closer role uh, for Minnesota. Look, this makes him a better team. And making that signing that they did with Andrelton Simmons to play shortstop, uh, Hansel Robles was a good st- uh, signing. They have J.A. Happ now in their rotation. Minnesota Twins have quietly made some very, very good moves that are, I think, going to keep them atop the AL Central. Uh, a couple of other deals from yesterday. Chris Archer coming back to the Tampa Rays. He signed a one-year deal for uh, $6.5 million. He did not pitch last year uh, because he was coming back from surgery. Uh, he had that um, uh, thoracic outlet surgery, so he missed last year. But the prior year, uh, or the prior two years with Pittsburgh, he wasn't very good. 6-12, and 4-9-2 ERA. Uh, and the Pirates declined an $11 million option on him for this year. Understandably, the Pirates can't afford that for a guy that stinks as bad as he does. Uh, but maybe he can refine it. He's 32 years old. Maybe he can figure it out and refine the success that he had with the Rays. So he is back where it all began, and the Rays need him. They lost Charlie Morton, and uh, they traded Blake Snell. So, uh, you know, that is certainly uh, uh, somebody that they need. And now... They still have the guys that they got in the trade for Chris Archer. They got Tyler Glass now and Austin Meadows for him, and now Chris Archer back as well. So uh, the Rays obviously uh, hoping that he can find that form that he had with them. Um, a couple of other minor deals. The Angels got Alex Cobb from the Orioles. They, it was a trade uh, for a minor leaguer. Uh, Cobb was not very good um, and hasn't been very good in his career. He's a guy that's got a career ERA of about four. He's two games under 500 for his career, uh, and he's going to make 15 million bucks this year uh, from the Orioles. And in exchange, uh, Baltimore gets a young kid by the name of Jemai Jones, a 23-year-old uh, who is one of the top Angels prospects. He's a guy that can play second base uh, or center field. But the problem is he struggled at the plate. Colton Wong also has a new deal. Uh, the former Cardinals second baseman, a uh, Two-year, $18 million deal with an option for a third year with the Milwaukee Brewers. And the uh, Orioles signed King Felix to a minor league contract. Um, And that's probably the only place he could go. The Orioles are just horrendous. If he does manage to make the team, uh, he'll get a $1 million salary if he actually makes it to the majors. So that is going to do it for us here today. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. And, of course, Dan Zampano for his regular NFL visit. Hope you can join us then. We leave you this morning with some music from Willie Nelson, Chris Christofferson, and Merle Haggard. And only one of those guys still outperforming. Of course, Merle Haggard passed away a couple years ago. Chris Christofferson just announced his retirement. He's 84 years old. He's not going to perform anymore. But Willie's still out there. He's 112 years old, but he's still out there. Here's here's Willie, Chris, and Merle Haggard with uh, a version of Old Friends. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.